ask you to open your Bible with me, if you would, please, to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. So this is, this is our last message together in uh, 20, 2017. Tonight, our brother Chris Spain and Dr. Smith will uh, have, have prepared for us both a gospel sing and the Lord's Supper. And I'm looking forward uh, to that time together uh, tonight. We'll begin at 6 o'clock. It'll run till sometime around uh, 9 o'clock. Uh, a few weeks ago, if you were here, uh, we had a little vote. Tried to find out how many people wanted to stay to midnight. Um, I, I think the vote was 248 to 2. 248 wanted to go home at 9. And, and Kenny and Curtis are staying here to midnight. Uh, all by, no, I'm just kidding. They can go wherever they want to go. They can stay here if they want to. They can go some, someplace else. Uh, I am, Lord willing, planning on being asleep by midnight tonight. Amen. I have found, uh, when I was younger, I stayed up uh, every year uh, till midnight. I guess perhaps we think it won't happen if we're not there. Um, but then at some point you realize, you know what, it'll come whether I'm there or not. And, uh, and I'll feel a whole lot better tomorrow morning if I'm not there when it happens. Amen. So uh, we are looking forward. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to what God has for us uh, in the new year. Uh, we are not uh, continuing our, our primary Bible study again this morning. We are, I, I mentioned at the beginning of December that we would have five Sundays, and all of them would be somewhat unique. Uh, the time in December, the calendar in December, of course, is a very uh, busy calendar, and we had a, an exceptionally busy calendar uh, this December. And this message is really one I believe the Lord would have us to see the song that we just sang. You know, Chris, of course, has no idea what it was that we're going to be looking at, uh, yeah, but the Lord does. And the song that we just sang has a great deal to do uh, with what it is that I think God would have us to see as we leave 2017 and go into 2018. Uh, before we um, look into the Word of God together, let's pray. Father, there are times when we are more aware of our insufficiency than other times. Lord, we make the mistake from time to time in our life to think that we have any, any sufficiency at all. And Lord, you make it very clear, you made it very clear through the apostles that they learned that their sufficiency was not only of themselves individually, but not even of themselves corporately. And so we are not sufficient for the task at hand. Lord, we realize that it is indeed your desire that we would be witnesses unto thee. And you have made it very clear in Acts chapter 1 that the only way that we can be witnesses unto you is through the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Comforter that has come to indwell us. You told your disciples to wait for that power. You told them to wait for that Comforter before they did anything. And then you said, but when you receive that power, you shall be witnesses unto me. Lord, help us again today, this morning, 
to realize what it really is to be a witness unto thee. Lord, that it really is not so much what we say, but how we live that bears witness to your power. Lord, let us confess, let each and every one of us confess honestly that we are not what we need to be unless you make us that. And then, Father, let each and every one of us gladly submit, as the song we just sang talks about. May we be glad that you'd empty us, empty us of self and fill us instead with thy spirit. Thank you, Father, for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This week, as I was reading in Colossians, it was in Colossians chapter 1, which uh, John read the passage in Colossians chapter 1, I realized that uh, what it was that we were going to be looking at together uh, this week. But it caused me to realize, there's a phrase in Colossians chapter 1 that caused me to come to Ephesians chapter 4, because I remembered a specific two-word phrase that I found in Ephesians 4 a number of years ago that I realized was a clue to what it was that God wanted to accomplish. And so as uh, all of us are now capable of doing very easily, I simply opened a, a Bible application and said, can you show me all the occurrences of these two words, one right after another? Uh, when you're, if you remember when you were younger, some of you did this when you were younger and you opened up a Strong's Concordance, if you wanted to search two words or more than two words, it was a great deal more work than it was to search one word. But with a Bible program, searching two words is just, just put the two words in. If you want them to occur one after the other, great. If you want there to be space in between them, great. You can search however you want to. So what we're going to do this morning, there are three passages. So let's say there are three points to the message. The title of the message could be Walking Worthy. Walking Worthy. The two words are walk and worthy. They occur in three passages. Walk Worthy occurs in three passages. The first one is here in Ephesians chapter 4. The second one is in Colossians chapter 1. And the third one is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I recommend that you follow along and that you take notes because I believe that you're going to find this to be both convicting and encouraging. If you want to walk worthy together, by the way, it says it's going to say ye walk worthy, which doesn't mean you walk worthy. It means that we together are meant to walk worthy. Look up here for a moment before we begin this. There is really nothing spectacular about an individual proclaiming that they walk worthy with God. One, you're probably lying. Two, if you're not lying, it is far easier to do whatever you want, whenever you want, without anybody else touching your life and to say that you're walking with God. However, God demonstrates his power not through the individual worthy walk, but through churches walking worthy together. And this is far more difficult. In fact, it is impossible without the Spirit of God. Now, honestly, it's impossible without the Spirit of God for an individual to walk worthy. But you can pretend to yourself that you're walking worthy if you do so by yourself, right? I'm doing everything perfectly right. Everybody else, they're not doing so well, right? But when we have to walk together, when we have to walk with each other, what happens is this. My wife reveals in my life 
where I'm not walking the way I'm supposed to walk. Now, I can blame my wife for that, and I have, God knows, blamed my wife for that, right? Kathy, it's your fault that I have this anger or I have this issue. It's your fault because if it wasn't for you, I would walk worthy, and that's not true at all. All that's happened is the circumstances of my life have revealed that I am not walking the way that God would have me to walk because Jesus would not behave himself under those circumstances the same way. Amen? So who has the power? We sang it. Who has the power to make us walk the way we should as we walk with one another? And the answer is God the Holy Spirit has that power. God the Holy Spirit has no difficulty at all, no matter what the circumstances are, in walking worthy. So, as we look at these passages, remember, in some cases it would be pointed out directly to us, that in order for you and I to have what it is that God would have us to have, we're going to have to humble ourselves continually and allow the Spirit of God to accomplish this in our lives. And we must get out of the way. We must deny our flesh, take up our cross, how often? daily and follow him or we will walk in the flesh and as somebody said either john said it in sunday school or chris said it before singing the song if we will we if we will walk after the flesh then we will fulfill what the lust of the flesh and if you want to see what that looks like just go to galatians chapter 5 and see we look at the works of the flesh you can look this up the works of the flesh in galatians chapter 5 they are very very ugly and they always will be But the fruit of the Spirit, just a little bit further on in Galatians chapter 5, is marvelous. And this is what God wants to accomplish in our lives. So let's just look. Let's just look. It shouldn't take us very long. Let's look at these three passages. You take notes. You take it home. You uh, be honest with yourself, honest with the Holy Spirit. Allow the work to be done in your life that God wants to be done in your life. And I believe he will help us, we, as a church family here at Tidewater Baptist Church, to enter into 2018 walking worthy together as God would have us to, or at least recognizing the need for it. So the first one's in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now let me say this. How many of you, when you hear Ephesians chapter 4, in your mind say to yourself, well, Ephesians chapter 4 is not Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3. It's Ephesians chapter 4. Now why do I mention that? Why do I make such a point of that? Because here's the thing. In order to have what God would have you to have in Ephesians chapter 4, you must first understand chapters what? 1, 2, and 3. Yes? Yes? How critical is this? It is so critical that at the beginning of of my Bible in Ephesians, I wrote uh, many, many years ago chapters 1, 2, 3, 1 through 3, so not 1 dash 3, done. Right? Everything that must be done, Christ has already done. This is demonstrated in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Then, chapters 4, 5, and 6, on top of that, so the foundation is done, but on top of that, chapters 4, 5, and 6 is due. Or you could write this, chapters 1, 2, and 3, infinite riches. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, infinite responsibility. But God does not ask us to do anything until he shows us the power by which it is done. God does not give us any responsibility until he makes clear to us the infinite riches that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we get to chapter 4. And we're going to go there because that's where the verse is. And what it says is this. I therefore. Now, you should probably take that therefore, in your mind at least, if not in your margin, and write chapters 1 through 3. 
right? I therefore. Well, based upon what ground is the therefore? And the answer is because of chapters 1, 2, and 3. Now this is being said to us. Now if you're not, listen here, look up here. If you're not a new creature, this is not a salvation message. This is not a, a message that is calling people to repent of their sins and be born again. That's not what it is. This message is for those of us that are a new creature, but recognize that in me, that is in my flesh, there still dwelleth what? No good thing. But to will is present with me. I really truly want far better in my life than I find in my life. Not I want to be a better person. I want the people around me not to suffer as a consequence of me. I want the people around me to be blessed by the power and goodness of God. Amen? Well, this is for you. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So those two verses, just taking those two verses, what you notice is the walk-worthy, right? Walk-worthy in verse 1. And I know I have said this before. We have come to Ephesians chapter 4 uh, in the past, and I mentioned, well, what does a worthy walk look like? And this is it. This is so important. Well, let's look at the words. What does it say? As soon as we see the worthy walk, what are the first characteristics of a worthy walk? And it is this. With all what? With all what? All right, what's the opposite of that? Pride, right? Right? With all lowliness. A worthy walk is a lowly walk. What's the contrast to that? Pride. Now, now let's, let's say that was the end of the sermon. How are you doing? How are you doing in your own life? And here's the thing. Don't tell me how you're doing when you're alone by yourself. How are you doing around the rest of your family? Around your extended family? Around your church family? Around your workplace? Around the community where you live? What if I ask them, how are you doing? And see, here's the thing. God says in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, I have given you all of these riches in Christ, but they're not yours in your flesh. They're not yours. They're not available to you in your flesh, and they will never be accomplished in your flesh. So you're going to have to deny yourself. All lowliness. What's the next one? Meekness. What's the next one? Long-suffering. And what's the next one? Forbearing one another in love. Honestly. You know, if we were at the wild, I'd say, go find a quiet place, get alone with God, and go over this for the next hour in your life. Because this is what God wants to change in our lives. Chelsea's not going to mind me mentioning this. Well, I'll find out afterwards, I guess. <laughs> Yesterday, we were sitting at the table. Uh, after the wedding, we were sitting at a table with John and Chelsea. And I can't remember exactly how she worded it. I remember saying this. I'm beginning to understand why our pastor preaches unity and selflessness and love over and over again. Because we are not inclined to it. See, we're not inclined to it. Not only are we not inclined to lowliness, we are inclined to pride. Yes? 
I'm just asking you to be honest. I'm not asking you to stand up here and make a public confession. I'm just asking you to be honest. If, if you can't be honest with you, there's no way you're going to be honest with God. And all God asks of us is the humility, the, the humility to recognize the lowliness that is necessary for me to be the witness that God would have me to be. I don't possess it naturally. He's going to have to pour it into my life. But praise God, according to Hebrews, we have a great high priest who is pouring into our lives a whole new quality of life. If he's not, either you're not a new creature or you're walking in your flesh, one or the other. And that's not his fault. If you're not a new creature, you cannot have these things until you be born again. Right? Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus and said, oh, we know. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, you don't know anything. He wasn't being mean-spirited. He wasn't being arrogant. He said, Nicodemus, until you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And yet, so many Christians are actually born again. They are new creatures, and yet they live a very powerless life. That doesn't mean they don't have things going on in their life. They do have things going on in their life, but they're fleshly things. They may be very involved in their own local church, but they're still involved on a fleshly level. And they're bringing that fleshly response to God as if God would be pleased with it. God is not pleased with it. God does not care what you're doing. He cares what Jesus has done. Now, when we lay hold of that, when we truly lay hold of how awesome our Lord Jesus is, it will change our lives. And you will then be glad to walk together. Kenny and I walking together, you know, Kenny and Chris Bain getting up early on a Sunday morning, walking together arm in arm down into the brig and preaching the gospel, but with no arrogance, with no selfishness, with no me, me, look at me. Amen? That's what God will do. You'll be glad to be here or there or wherever early, ready to minister, prepared to meet the people that come in that you've never met before, but it won't be about you at all. Why? Because you'll have all lowliness and meekness. And then what's it say, by the way? Man, this is a tough one. Long-suffering. Anybody want to define long-suffering for me? It's a hard one. If you just change the order of the words, you got it. Right? Long-suffering means to what? Suffer long. Now, let's look up here. Christians don't like to suffer, period. <laughs> Amen? So if you take suffer and then add long to it, this is our immediate response. Nope. Nope. You just take the word suffer. God says, I want you to suffer. Nope. Right? We've talked about it so many times. If you got up in the morning and there were two doors to go through and this one said suffer. And this one says everything you want. That doorknob would be all worn out, wouldn't it? The hinges on that one would be all worn out. I'm going right through this door. And listen, and this is what so many Christians do in the power of their own will, day after day after day after day. I just want what I want. I just want what I want. I am born again. I am a new creature. I just want what I want. But I'm not willing to go through this door into all the will of God for my life because I do not want to long suffer with my brothers and sisters. I do not want to long suffer with those around me who are going through terrible things. I do not want to be treated poorly. I do not want to go through any difficulty. And God says, but what if that's what I want? But what, listen, but what if you were the only one who was ever going to be a witness to this person? Would you be willing to suffer long to keep them out of hell? And this is the answer. Not the answer out loud, because nobody would ever say this out loud, but this is the way Christians live their life. No. No. I would not be willing to suffer long so this person could go to heaven. No. No. That's a, 
That's a tra tragedy. Thank God Jesus didn't have that attitude. Amen? But God wants to break us of this, right? Now look, look, what does the word say? Here's what it says. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Now, so here's the thing. It's the Holy Ghost saying this, but the human instrument that's being used is who? The Apostle Paul. And where is it that he's writing this from? Where is he? Jail. Jail. Do you suppose that perhaps that qualifies him to say, listen, now by the way, the word beseech. Let's go to the word beseech. We said this a lot of times. The word beseech in our English Bible comes from one of two Greek words almost all the time, right? One of them is the word for beg or implore. I, when it says, listen, I beseech you that you don't hit me with that stick, okay? Right? That would be this. I beg you, I implore you that you don't hit me with that stick. The other one is the word parakaleo. Right? And it means this. I call, literally, it's a compound word. And what it means is this. I call you to my side. Right? Now, by the way, the comforter is the paraclete. He is the one that is not calling us to his side. He's come to live with inside us. Praise God. But because the Holy Ghost lives with inside us, because the Holy Ghost is living within us, God causes us to start caring about others to such a degree that we start acting the way the Holy Ghost would have us to act. And that is this. Come walk with me in this. In other words, it's not preaching at somebody that they would walk a certain way. It says, come on, let's do this together. Guess which one this is. He's not begging them that they would walk worthy. He's calling them to his side, and he's in jail. So what he's saying is this. Listen, I'm telling you, we can walk together in this. That's what fellowship is. This is what God wants to accomplish. Kenny and I cannot really walk together unless we be what? Can two men walk together unless they be agreed? We cannot walk together unless we agree. But what do we have to agree on? And this is the answer. Jesus is worthy. Right? Kenny, you want to go to, the, you want to, go to Trinidad with me? Well, let's do it the other way around. I think Kenny's more inclined to be able to go to Trinidad than I am. How many times have you been to Trinidad? About 16. I've been there three times. And the third time they had to tie me up to take me there. Okay? All right? If you think it's hot in Hampton Roads, go to the Philippines. I mean, excuse me, go, go to Trinidad. It is, it's just literally unbearable. It's just literally unbearable, right? How can we go do this together? Kenny, Kenny and I went to uh, uh, Germany together, right? We went to Germany together. Kenny is funny. Really, honestly, you should spend some time with Kenny. Kenny is funny. We went to, we went to Germany together, and we walked together. Why do we walk together? Because we are agreed that Jesus is worthy that we walk together. That's what it takes. Yes? Yes? Look, how are we going to labor together in whatever the ministry is God gives us here at Tidewater? Now, let me say, let me say it this way. So let's take, let's take Mr. Bailey, right? We'll take Mr. Bailey. So Greg Bailey. Greg Bailey and I see each other, oh, in the summer. We're going to say summer, right? Because right now he's not mowing the lawn, okay? So Greg and I see each other on an average of probably, well, we see each other every Saturday morning, as a rule. We see each other every Wednesday night, as a rule. We see each other every Sunday morning and Sunday night as a rule. So that's four times right there. Then we see each other because he's on the tractor mowing the lawn, probably without exaggeration, two or three times a week. All right. Now, most of those seeing each other are like this. Beep, beep. Right. Me, me driving my car out of the parking lot and him waving to me from the heat of the, of the lawnmower. Right. I'm on my way to visitation in an air-conditioned car and, and Greg is mowing the lawnmower. 
So the fellowship, the, 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 what we have is this. The point I'm making is this. He and I don't go to a nursing home together. He and I don't teach class together. But the fellowship that we have is, well, he's doing the ministry God has called him to do, and I'm doing the ministry God has called me to do. But uh, listen, but I'm, I am a completely and perfectly aware that his ministry is every bit as important as my ministry. Every bit as important. This is what God wants to accomplish. This is what the lowliness is. This is what the meekness is. This is what the long-suffering and loving one another is. We're not all doing the same thing, but we're all working together. This is what God wants us to know. Number two, turn to Colossians chapter 1. John read this passage, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. It starts in verse 10. By the way, Colossians chapter 1, John asked me how far to read in Colossians. And I said, well, we should at least read a full sentence. I just want you to notice, you just follow along. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10 ends, ends with what? What's it end with? What, what punctuation mark? 11 ends with what? Semicolon. 12 ends with what? 13 ends with what? 14 ends with what? 15 ends with what? 16 ends with what? 17 ends with a period. Now, I was in high school. My teacher was constantly writing run-on sentence in my papers. I wonder if she ever read anything that the Apostle Paul wrote. Because that's a run-on sentence right there. Amen? Semicolon, colon, 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 semicolon, colon, 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 period. It's a full sentence. So the passage that John read this morning has two sentences. The other one is verse 18, by the way. And how can you skip verse 18 when you get to verse 17? How can you not read, and he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he should have the preeminence. You have to read it, right? You're there. And praise God for it. So, so what does it say? Let's look at it together. It says in verse 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, this is a prayer. This is a prayer. This is a desire for us that we would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So there's a worthy walk. There's every good fruitful work and there's a knowledge of God. The worthy walk. So then you get to verse 11 and it starts to talk about what this looks like. And here's what it says. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto. And this is where it actually begins. So the worthy walk in verse 10 is actually expressed in the unto part of verse 11. And here's what it says. Unto all what? Remember in the last passage it was all lowliness. Right? All lowliness. Now what does this one say? All what? What? Patience. Patience. All, what is patience? What's the opposite? Right? If the opposite of lowliness is pride, then what is the opposite of patience? Well, and by the way, be careful before you just simply say impatience. I mean, it's a really easy answer, right? Because that is a real word. So, but what does it mean to be impatient? Who are we being impatient with? Let's read it. Let's look at what it says. It says, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. This is, not long, this is not patience with God. 
It isn't. There is patience with God. There is a waiting on God, but that's, not, that's hope. Hope is when I know something's going to happen and I'm just waiting for God to do it. What, God, what this is talking about is I have patience and what again? What's that word again? Long-suffering with what? You know, this is, this is such a hard sermon to preach. Because the whole point of this is that you'll be honest with yourself about this. But let's, let's be honest. God says, I want you to walk worthy with all lowliness, meekness, and long-suffering. I want you to walk worthy with all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. How are you doing? Right? How are, listen, please hear me. I, I, I'm going to say this, and this is, those of you that are visiting are going to, well, you can't think I'm bragging because I'm talking about all the difficulty that God wants to work out of our own lives here at Tidewater. I was told without exaggeration six times, probably at least six times yesterday, words like this. I have heard how kind and helpful the people at Tidewater are, but I didn't know it until this wedding. Isn't that wonderful? I heard this from, from two or three people from Tabernacle, two or three people in Jimmy's family. I, I, I heard over and over and over again. And, 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 and when, I was, when it was said to me, it was said like this, it's remarkable watching how much you guys care, not only about each other, but for the other churches in the area. And I thought, praise God. Honestly, praise God. And yet, and yet, you be honest about whether there's work that needs to be done or not. You be honest, right? Because it doesn't, you know, the Bible says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. It would be far easier to get us all to work together by competition or by being able to brag when we did well. It would be, I promise you. It's how most churches accomplish this. But this is not what God wants for us. God does not want competition or boasting. He doesn't. Let how much be done through strife and vainglory? Nothing. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory. So then how's it going to be done? With lowliness and patience. With lowliness and patience. Now here's the truth. If you just get a good look at you, your lowliness will come. And your patience will come. Why would I be anxious or impatient or judgmental to you when I know me? And if you find it easy to be judgmental or anxious or impatient with someone else, I will simply say to you, you don't know yourself. You don't know. You have a much higher opinion of you than you ought to. You want to have a high opinion? Spend some time in the Gospels. Right? You want to have a high opinion of someone? Spend some time in the Gospels. And who will you have a high opinion of? Jesus. Yeah, the Christ. You will look at him and the way he behaves under anxious times, under angry times, under busy times. And you'll say, I am not like that. I am not like that. And you will be glad that he's your savior. Amen? And not us. Right? Isn't it good that we're not each other's saviors? Right? I'm telling you, we'd be in big trouble if we were each other's saviors. Right? But we are not each other, but we are each other's brothers and sisters. In Christ. Why? Because we all have the same Savior. But the same Savior that saved us from our sins is the one that gives us the Holy Spirit. And if we will not walk in the Spirit, we hurt each other 
as brothers and sisters. We really hurt. Not only do we hurt each other, but we ruin our opportunity to help those who don't even know the power of the Spirit. You know, um, we were talking about it, the, the, the um, drum family and I were talking about it this way. When you and I fail, we know ourselves. I know me, and so I know you. So when you fail me, I understand, because I understand failure. But when I fail my extended family, they don't understand, right? Because I tell them Jesus is one thing, and then this happens in my life, and they say, oh, you're just a, well, whatever, hypocrite, liar, holier than that, whatever it is, right? So there has to be, there has to be a power in our lives greater than the power in our unsaved loved ones, yes? Yes or no? Yeah, right? You shall be what? Witnesses unto what? Me. Yes? Listen to me. Look, look here. In case you've forgotten, in case you don't remember the last time we said this, being a witness has nothing to do with what you say. It has to do with how you live under circumstances. When the difficulty comes, again, we find out an awful lot about Kenny. If I, if I walk down to where Kenny's sitting right now and I just elbow Kenny, literally, just elbow him, we'll find out something about Kenny when I do that, right? We might find out that he doesn't survive it, honestly. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But the point that I'm making is this. We don't really know each other until we see each other under adversity. And the Bible says, he that fails in adversity is what? Weak. Weak. Now, here's the thing. I am weak. And I will fail under adversity. I am so, I was uh, a couple days ago. Might have been the day of the funeral. I don't know. It's, it's all, it's been busy, right? The other day, my family, three or four of us were in the car together riding somewhere. And the conversation that we were having had weight to it. And I remember thinking as we were having this conversation, we are not sufficient together for this conversation. We are not sufficient for this conversation. This is too much for us. This is too big for us. But whatever it was we were talking about, that person still needed help. You understand? It is too big for us. So don't be a jerk. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is too big for us. It is too big for us for us to have any problem with each other at all. We can't. What are the two things it says? What is the word? By the way, you need to understand the word ye in this. That ye, well, again, it's not about you. It's about us walking together. Because the world sees us, not you. You can say whatever you want to say about you all day long. I'm not going to go back to that part of the sermon again. But what happens when they see us under adversity? What do they see when they see us? And they must see Christ in us, the hope, the expectation of glory. So that they can say this, I need that. That's what I need. And our answer would be this, it's exactly what you need. Yes? You don't need our church. You don't need our stuff. You need our Jesus. That's what you need. Yes? And that's why we assemble. Let's go on to 1 uh, Thessalonians because it's time to be done. I told you it wouldn't be long. First Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 10. 
Let's go back to verse 9. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail. For laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Now in this case, the worthiness of the walk is actually shown or demonstrated before the plea to do it. Look at it with me if you would. Ye are witnesses. This is what it says in verse 10. Ye are witnesses and God also how, and this is a hard word, isn't it? Holily. How often do you say that? Try not to, right? I'm going to try not to say it in many more times even today preaching. How holy like, okay? How holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children that ye would walk worthy of God. So here's the thing. Look, at, look up here. So here's the visitor now. This is because in a very real sense, what you're seeing is this. The visitor comes in and we would say to them, oh, we encourage you. We, it says that we would exhort comfort and charge. That's a tremendous combination of words, by the way. Just study that by, later by yourself. That we would ask you, we would plead with you, we would charge you, you should walk like this. And this is what they would say. Let's see how you do it. Yes or no? Is that what it says? Because look at what it says up in verse 10. Ye are witnesses. And God also, that's a good thing. Because there'd be people who you can live wonderfully, godly in front of, and they can just lie about it. But, you know, somebody said to me the other day, uh, having to do with a difficulty that they were going through, I remember what it was now, and they, and they said, we're just concerned when we convey this that it might be mistaken this way. And I said, God knows your heart. Do you understand? God knows your heart. So you do it lovingly. If it's rejected when you do it lovingly, God knows your heart. But if you're doing it selfishly, God also knows your heart. This is what God wants. To, this is the whole point. We're going to ask. This is the third. There's only three of them. This is the third one. And the third one is those that we're ministering to are being pleaded with to walk worthy. And this is their response. How did you do it? How are you doing with it? Now let's look at what it looks like. This is, this is difficult. Because, what it's, again, it's holy, justly. And then what's it say? Unblameably. Anybody want to sign up for that? Right? That means you did it right. Yes? I don't want to sign up for that. I, I don't want to sign up for that. Can you imagine if it was necessary? I would like you to be in this ministry, and this is all I ask of you. Be holy, be just, and be unblameable. Every day when you go down to CEF and work with those children, you know, 70-something children, behaving like 70-something children. And I'd like you to be holy and unblameable while you're doing it. How many people, you know what they would all say? I'm not going. <laughs> we can just skip it if that's what you need. Amen? 
But again, listen, this is not being perfect. This is a hard attitude. This is what God wants to accomplish in our lives. This is what God... Now, l- listen. What is the answer to this one in Thessalonians? The answer to this one in Thessalonians is found in Ephesians and Colossians. Lowliness and patience will work in our lives to such a degree that there will be a holiness and an unblameableness. Write these words down. We're going to be done. All lowliness, all patience leads to holiness. Lowliness and patience leading to holiness. Lowliness and patience leading to holiness. Holiness is not a perfection. Holiness is a, an attitude that God is holy. There's a reverence in it. There is a clean living in it. There is. But it's not a holier-than-thou attitude. It is a I am lowly and I am patient as God is working in your life. That makes me not angry or upset or bothered or willing to hurt you while I'm ministering to you. This is what God wants to accomplish in our church family. I believe this is what God is accomplishing in our church family. But I, I really believe, I, I, and I, I don't know how to express it other than this, I believe that 2018, God intends to bring a, a, a significant number of people to see us and to be here, not because of us, but so that we can tell them together, Jesus is wonderful, and mean it, and they can see it. You want to know why? Because Jesus is wonderful. And I really believe that God is accomplishing in the lives of many people at Tidewater. But, but, but let's be honest with ourselves. Left to me, left to myself, right? I don't want to be the guy that greets that new visitor, right? Left to yourself, do you want to be the person that we say, hi, this is a representation of Tidewater Baptist Church, this person, right? Nobody wants to be that person because we all know ourselves. But if we walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, then when we meet that person, they can see Christ in us instead of us in us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it is that you're wanting to accomplish in our lives. And Lord, we commit it to you. Lord, I pray that each and every, every, each and every one, Lord, I know that only a few probably will, but I pray that each and every one that's heard this message this morning will take stock of what it is that it means to walk worthy. That it's not about walking better than others. It's about a lowliness. It's about a patience and a long-suffering. It's about a joyfulness that comes only from walking with you. Knowing who we are, but knowing who you are at the same time. And rejoicing in how great thou art. Father, thank you for this. Thank you for what it is that you're accomplishing. Thank you for what it is that you're going to accomplish. And Lord, we ask you that you would do these things for your own honor and glory, and for the good of so many other people. Bless us, Father, with these things that you've shown us today. In Jesus' name, amen.